Hello, everybody. Welcome to Elephant in the Room. Thank you for joining us. We have myself, Timmy, and my special co-host, Angela. Angela. <laughs> uh, hello, guys. Um, we just wanted to say that this will actually be our very last um, episode with us as co-hosts on uh, the Elephant in the Room podcast. So we just want to say a thank you to everyone who's been listening and for supporting this podcast. And we're excited that we got a lot of good feedback uh, this year on the podcast. Yeah, I just want to echo those exact thoughts. Thank you to everybody for being our supporters. We know that this was a little bit of a different year. So we try to bring some different programming to you. And we really appreciate um, all, you, all of you for listening and for enjoying the content that we put out. Mm-hmm. And we we don't know what the future of this podcast is going to be, whether we're going to be passing the reins on to somebody new or if this is going to be the last episode ever, but hopefully um, uh, it continues on uh, till next year and maybe forever. So yeah, um, the first topic we wanted to talk about is resilience. And uh, as you know, resilience is a really uh, important skill to have, especially as a student in university, um, even if you're not in university, just in life. Um, And especially during this time of year when people are starting to feel a little bit more tired, um, more burnt out uh, than usual, uh, resilience is a really um, important thing to have in order to kind of get yourself through the, the rough patches that we have to deal with in our lives. Um, So according to the APA, um, psychologists define resilience as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. And they list um, different examples. And to me, um, I was listening to something else a little while ago, and they defined resilience as the the analogy that they use is like a spring, that once you deform the spring, it comes back to the original shape more often than not. And so that's like very simple, but that's my definition as well as earlier, the APA's definition of resilience. So with that note, Angela, what would you define like resilience as? Yeah, mine's very, very similar. I When I think of resilience, I think of kind of picking yourself up because I know a lot of people can go through a lot of different things in life. Um, and often uh, when people go through either like traumatic experiences or periods of prolonged stress it can be very easy to kind of just give up and um just go back in your shell and um it's very hard to push on um and I know this is so much easier said than done um because I struggle with resilience a lot um but yeah I think resilience to me is somebody who's able to um acknowledge the hardships, acknowledge the um, difficulties um, and understand that these are normal processes in life and is able to, I wouldn't necessarily say move on, but learn from these experiences and grow from these experiences rather than um, letting it um, kind of take over their lives. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, it's very important for us to like move forward and to acknowledge that in life there's going to be peaks and valleys. So like we may just be like in a in a valley time in our life and that may last like 
you know, the whole school semester or, or something. It may last the whole school year. It may last a whole degree or it may last just a week or something. But it's important for us to find ways to really combat um, different feelings that we have and really to be um, resilient. Um, yeah. So one thing that I want to bring up is that there are apparently five pillars of resilience, which are emotional well well-being, inner drive, future focus, relationships, and physical health. And so I just want to highlight the future focus one because essentially what we, we just talked about is to know that we may just be in a peak or in a valley portion of our lives and to focus on that, like there, there will be a better day ahead. We just kind of have to make it through. Right. And I think that's a really important one, especially for students at the moment, um, especially students who are graduating um, that are often a little bit worried about, actually not a little, a lot <laughs> worried about their uh, futures, especially, you know, graduating um, and entering a job market in the pandemic is something that nobody wants to deal with. <laughs> um, and so worrying about the future and um, the pandemic may seem right now like it's lasting forever and it um we just got to know that it's, you know, going to end eventually and things will work out. And while they might not work out in w- the way that you thought it would, it does eventually. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And so I think having that mindset is really does help a little bit with building your resilience. Um, and I know it's... Um, it's hard. And especially when you experience a failure. I know for me, I consider myself a perfectionist a little bit. And so when I fail, I feel like it's like, it's like gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, do it's, you feel that sometimes? Oh yes. It's like debilitating. Like, yeah. especially if you like you tried your best. Yeah. It wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Like, where do I, what do I do now? Exactly. And it's like so hard because what is also kind of contributing to that feeling is like comparison. And I truly believe comparison is the thief of joy. Um, mm-hmm. Like when you're like, oh my gosh, I tried so hard. I did this and did that. And I still didn't get it, but somebody else did. Like, why? Like, why not me? Um, I think those thoughts are so dangerous because. Mm-hmm. Um, they can bring you into this kind of um, mindset that's that's very toxic. Um, and I've definitely been in that situation. Like we've all experienced failures and some are a lot bigger than others. And at the moment, it's just like, you feel like you're like, hey, well then if I tried everything, I tried my best and I still didn't get it, then what's the point of trying that's really dangerous because the minute you stop trying, then you kind of let that mindset win. Um, so I think, and yeah, and yet again, it's easier said than done because I, I again, kind of s- catch myself thinking these these thoughts um, sometimes when I fail or when I don't do as good. Um, but I'm constantly trying to actively check myself. No, you're not a failure. And um, 
how did you get to where you are now? And it's, I, I put a lot of work in to get where I am now. And um, it shows in my successes. So I think a good tip for that is when you're drowning kind of in the thought of your failure, ground yourself a little bit and I don't know, even if it physically helps you to make a list or you can think about it mentally of just like all the successes you had to bring you where you are now. And I think that exercise is really good in being like, okay, well, I might've failed in this aspect, but um, I've done so much to where I I am now. And um, if I give up now, then I won't be able to go um, for any further. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Like, when you said that, one picture um, like literally flashed through my mind. And I'm going to do a terrible job of explaining it, but please try and bear with, bear with me. But it's essentially a picture of this dude um, digging in the ground. So like at the top of the picture, you have the ground. And then you have him. He's digging. You see like progress pics, I suppose, of him digging his way to treasure. And in one picture, he's like not close to you. You see where the gold is and you see his progress of how he started digging. And the next picture, he's a little bit closer. And the third picture is more close to that gold. And the fourth one, he's given up. And he was literally so close, like a couple more like hours or units of time or whatever. And he'd have attained that gold. So I feel like when we like we should just um, try to be more perseverant, which is like, like you said, easier said than done but we really have to choose our response in developing more of a resilience. Um, when you come to that crossroads of what am I going to do? I think like, it's obviously easier said than done, but to con- continue and persevere and keep on digging is this actually, is it what I, is my own advice. And I'm really preaching to myself here. Um, obviously like when you have like anxiety or depression, it's, it's, it's very hard to just choose to <laughs> persevere. And we, totally acknowledge that Um, but it's definitely an active process you can't passively just go on with your life and thinking that resilience is going to come to you you definitely have to work on that and um, have to definitely work on changing your mindset Um, because if you continue to let it bring you down or make you doubt yourself um, then you're you're just going to be having a bunch of these toxic thoughts in your brain and that's not going to help you in any way shape or form and so um you really actively have to check yourself essentially (laughs) check yourself um Mm -hmm. and uh um and be and because sometimes your brain can say mean things to you Mm -hmm. um and like everybody says like you're your own worst critic which is very true um because I sometimes like when I say things to my friends or from ranting or talking about my feelings um, and they're and I just point out all the flaws about myself and they're like like what are you talking about and I'm like oh like that's definitely just me and just me uh, projecting my feelings onto everybody else um, and so yeah it's it's your mind can be your biggest bully so you you continuously need to like check it um or else it's not going to be a good situation we wanted to talk about like 
we've uh, broached a topic, but not really in detail, but we wanted to talk about our mindsets. And we were talking about failure earlier. And like one thing that one mindset, the fixed mindset um, is failure would be seen as a limit of one's abilities. And then in the growth mindset, failure would be an opportunity to grow. And we must acknowledge that this um, whole idea of the fixed versus the growth mindset is the product of the mind of Carl Dweck. So um, she's been doing some great work and that's what we're trying to like um, also speak about is changing our mindset. And like we said earlier, it's not a passive thing. It's like very much an active like desire to do things. And of course, that's very different for different people. Mm-hmm. And I think we've all experienced a fixed mindset at some point in our lives. And there's certain aspects of a fixed mindset that people um, express more than others. And um, I know I'm looking kind of at the different levels of um, fixed versus growth mindset. And something I struggle with is um, the openness to change. And um, that is an example of having a kind of growth mindset is if you're able to, um, you're willing to change um, and adapt and embrace new things into your life. life. And um, I think for me, I think that also coincides with a lot of anxiety. I know if people ha- have anxiety, they like kind of staying in their comfort zone. Um, they like thing- the stability of things in their lives. They change brings anxiety and anxiousness and um i have been like that for a while um but and it's crazy because every time i do something spontaneous or i welcome change in my life it always almost always ends up being such a good thing that's happened to me and i've never regretted it and so recently i've been trying to not be as afraid of change and kind of more embrace it. And that's something I'm working on in regards to growing um, or moving towards a more growth mindset versus a fixed. And I was just wondering, Timmy, what uh, things you would be working on in regards to growing and growth mindset? Something that I want to work on is how I receive criticism. Because sometimes for me, I think criticism is like a statement about my personal self not about my ability to do like a certain task. Like if I'm like uh, sending a paper or something and then like if it's like a performance review, then I'm just like, oh no, you don't like me, but you may, you, you may like me, but you may um, just not like how I do the job. So that's one thing that I want to, I see it as like, as a failure as a person because I value what I do and I try very hard to do what I do and do it well. So when I get criticism, I'm just like, dang, this is a reflection of my personality and my character and it's not up to par. So that's something that I'm trying to change. Right. And I think um, it's always hard to receive criticism because it's very easy to get defensive. Um, and depending on what the criticism is, like sometimes it can hurt, especially when it's coming from someone that you think very highly of. Um, but yeah, I think, the criticism again while it may sting at the moment it's gonna make you an overall better person um and I know there's some people in, like I've seen in my life who just cannot take criticism and I think it's kind of interesting because to me I'm like 
I feel like it's about also a, a sense of entitlement um, mm-hmm. people hold. Um, not specifically you to me, but like also myself when people are like, I deserve this or like I worked hard on this so I don't um, deserve any criticism or like nobody's allowed to talk about, I guess, my work or my my character or something like that. And with that, like, people don't often, or often people don't know the full story. They only, like, know the final product. So, like, there could be, like, many different things. So that's why it's, like, easy to get defensive and to take things personal when receiving feedback. At least that's what I experience. And I think it's just, like, when you don't actually receive the criticism, it's not helping you or the person who's telling you the critiques if you just hear criticism and then you ignore it and just brush it off because you don't think you deserve criticism and that you're the best person ever and um you can do no wrong um let me tell you (laughs) that's not true and everybody has room to grow and so if you don't take that criticism and apply it to yourself you're only limiting yourself even more because you're not allowing yourself to become a better person or get better skills or a develop um and by doing that you're just hurting yourself honestly <laughs> yeah I think like exactly like it's definitely criticism is definitely useful but it's just at times it's like extremely hard to like accept it like even like with the small things like marks right yeah like, people go and I'm super guilty of this too like to go like argue for to get points back in the in an assignment or whatever I mean like my train of thought was this but like in what if it's multiple choice there's only one right answer right yeah 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 I think um like I totally get it here and criticism is hard um and especially when the criticism kind of confirms your own insecurities about things I think that's when it hurts the most. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I've been trying to not take it as personally because I've been very guilty of just being like, like, why are they saying that to me? Like, you know, I'm doing the best that I can. So like, I don't know why they're saying that to me. And uh, like, instead of thinking about that, I think, you know, if I take their criticisms and apply it to my life and what I do, um, it's going to help me overall as an individual. So I think, again, becoming less defensive um, and really taking a step back. And if you're the type of person to become really, re- who's really reactive, like on the spot, I think it's, it's, you know, it's good to take some time off and just be like, okay, I'm going to take a step back from the situation because if I stay in it, I'm going to react immediately and not kind of comprehend what's going on fully so I think if you're a really reactive person you, I think take a step back take a couple minutes hours however long it takes for you to you know calm down and then look back on the situation look back at what they said and you know if it's a if it's a constructive critique then um, I mean you should be able to see that as kind of like a good thing. It's kind of more ad- advice as a ver- as opposed to like criticizing who you are as an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's definitely more objective advice about like 
the scale or the whatever it is that like the critique is on instead of more subjective critiques or feedback about the person, which is something that I'm like learning every day. When we receive feedback or criticism, it's kind of like the, like you said, a reflection of our self-esteem kind of, and it can really like deal big blows to our self-esteem. So yeah, criticism really affects, at least for me, my self-esteem in some ways, because self-esteem refers to like my, sen- my sense of self-worth, my perceived value and how much I like myself. And so like, I obviously, like you probably don't want to have low self-esteem and I do whatever it is to like make myself feel better, whether it's like eating healthy or not eating healthy or getting enough sleep or whatever, right? And so it's kind of problematic because in our Western culture, our self-esteem is based on how we, how much we are different from others and like external validation and external rewards. And so like, it's comparatively speaking, if my peer, like my friend in this class I'm in got a hundred, then of course I want a hundred too. I want a 90 or whatever, right? Speaking of self-esteem, what's kind of the advantage of having self-compassion versus um, one's self-esteem? For sure. Uh, So like in contrast to self-esteem, self-compassion is not based on self-evaluations. So people like feel compassion for themselves because all human beings deserve compassion and understanding not because they possess some particular set of traits like being pretty or smart or talented and so on. Self-compassion does, I don't have to feel better, that I don't have to feel that I'm better than others in order to feel good about myself. Self-compassion using it like um, Kristen Neff said that self-compassion means treating yourself with the same kindness, care and compassion as you would treat um, someone that you care about. And like for me, when you're consoling somebody or tell, someone's telling you a story, you're like always there to pick them up. But like we said earlier in this podcast, we're our own worst critic. If that same exact situation was happening to us, we'd be like this, that, and the other. So I think that's why I like self-compassion is greater than self-esteem in some ways, because we need to learn, uh, myself especially, needs to learn how to be more compassionate towards myself and really to understand that I'm not perfect. I'm going to get criticism. I just need to learn to take it and kind of move forward because I know that it's for the better. It's not a reflection of my personality. It's just a reflection of the work that I've put forward on a specific thing. Mm-hmm. And you know that, that saying approval, like, oh, treat others how you treat yourself. Well, if you treat yourself badly, you should treat yourself how you would treat others. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I know... Um, you're, I mean, I hope that you're a lot nicer to other people. Um, and I know that you can, it's really easy to be hard on yourself and just pick away at the littlest things and constantly, constantly um, just put yourself down. I don't know. I think, oh my gosh, the mind is so powerful because I've been, I don't know, I think during this pandemic, I've been seeing a lot of things that people are like, you need to stop seeing yourself as ugly like you need to stop seeing yourself as a disappointment and all this stuff and I was like and they're like once you start believing that then you're just gonna become that do you know what I'm saying and I was like that's that's some not true stuff like that's you know rubbish (laughs) and I was like that's not gonna work and some people were like yeah like literally I would look at myself in the mirror every single day and say if we're thinking like if you're really um if you don't have a lot of self-esteem I guess in regards to let's give an example of how you look um or your physical appearance 
someone who was like, yeah, like I would look at myself in the mirror every day and be like, you are beautiful. You are pretty, you are or handsome or whatever um, you choose to describe yourself. And they would do that every single day. And they're like, and then I ended up believing it. And I was like, that's not true. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. So um, I like did that for a bit. And then all of a sudden, I was like, it wasn't even all of a sudden. There's just one day I realized, I was like, wow, like it does work. Like I do think my, of myself as like pretty when before I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I'm so ugly. Like, huh? And it's like you, your mind and the way you perceive things is so powerful. And, and the minute you believe in yourself, your confidence grows and then people, other people can, can kind of see that, like they can notice when you're more confident, you're more happy, you're more um, um, aware of your self-worth. And that's just, I don't know. I think that's so important. Like your own perception of yourself plays such a role in how you carry yourself, I guess, in life. Yeah, like the importance of your mind cannot be like understated in like in any way. No matter how little it's talked about, it's so lofty and so big. The positive affirmations, they work. We just found out like from like a personal anecdote. Mm-hmm. It do. And I'm like, yeah, positive affirmations like seems like a hoax. But like, no, it makes sense because I'm like, the minute you start believing that you are worthy, And then like, and then that just starts to start a snowball of like self-confidence and your personality get like you, I don't know when you're confident, you're able to be a little bit more outgoing and are more open to make new friends and um, be more vulnerable in social settings and stuff like that. And then that can make you happier. And it's just like a snowball of all these events that can just be started with you believing in yourself and I know we're sounding like a cheesy self-help book (laughs) right now but it's true and I vouch for it and I'll continue to vouch for it till the end of the day um but yeah and I know I I obviously don't have this mindset all the time and sometimes I catch myself going back into kind of like oh my god like who am I (laughs) like why am I so ugly like all that stuff But like, I don't know, I think it's, again, an active thing. Everything's very active. You can't just let it go on. But it gets easier and easier as you continue to do it. That's so true. Like as soon as like the hardest part is starting of doing anything is starting. And as soon as you start, like once that habit is formed, then like you wake up, you see yourself and you're like, damn, who's that? Who's that baddie that's looking at me right now in the mirror? That like gorgeous, handsome, beautiful, whatever you used to choose Mm -hmm. to do describe yourself and like just like that that affects your whole behavior your uh your mood your attitude and then it's just like a positive snowball effect that we've talked about earlier Mm -hmm. and I think that's also kind of another thing when you were talking about external validation earlier you really aren't going to be happy with your life no matter what external validation you get unless you are happy with yourself Mm. um like I'll tell you right now, snaps, yep. Um, I'll tell you right now, I can receive the most compliments ever or whatever. But if I don't believe in myself, it's not going to mean anything. Mm-hmm. Or like, even like say for day, think about it at school, 
I can get really good grades or I can get like a scholarship. And, and if I continue to think um, that I don't deserve it, or if I'm doubting myself, those, those achievements don't mean anything to me. They're not going to validate anything in regards to who I am as a person, unless I'm able to acknowledge myself that I put in the work, I deserve to be there. Um, and that's why I received the stuff I did. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, definitely. Like, once you said using the school example, I was just like, yes. Because you could be like, oh, maybe they just made a uh, mistake and they like gave me that scholarship by accident. Or maybe the prof was just being nice and just gave me 100. It was like at the end of the day, whatever he was done with, or he or she were done with marking, they just gave me 100. But it's like, no, I put in hard work to get that scholarship, to get that good grade. So like, I... I don't know how I would phrase it. I don't know if it's deserve. I don't know if that's the right word. Or maybe it's like we have earned that grade or that accolade or whatnot. Right. And I think that kind of mindset of like not being sure if you, yeah, I'll use the word deserved what you got is um, related to the idea of uh, imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. which I know is so relevant especially in students um whether you're undergrad grad students any type of student um even if you're entering the workforce oh especially if you're going to enter the workforce um graduating university you're like I don't know anything and it's like no you you worked hard and deserved to be there so now I'm gonna kind of give a little definition of imposter syndrome just in case people don't know what it is Um, So based on what I've found, it was first identified in 1978 by psychologists Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes. And it's essentially the idea that you've only succeeded due to luck and not because of your talent or qualifications. And um, initially it was um, only um, supposed to be applied or mainly applied to women. Um, but obviously with research in recent years or after 1978, um, we now know that it's a both applicable to um, anybody, essentially, man, woman, non-binary, whichever. Um, um, and anyone can essentially, who isn't able to internalize their own successes, is able to um, feel like an imposter. <laughs> in their own lives yeah I think there's like possibly no greater debilitating symptom is to have all these accolades and to feel like they were given to you by sheer luck Mm -hmm. then like all your hard work is like meaningless almost right Mm Yeah. And it, it's yeah, it's like I don't know if it stems from a lack of self-confidence or it results in a lack of self-confidence or a bit of both. Um but yeah, like be, if you think everything is due to kind of chance and luck and you never give yourself any any um credit for all the work you've done, you're you're always going to feel kind of unappreciated, I guess. Yeah, and I think like feeling appreciated is like it's right up there with one of the needs of like human beings. It's like feeling loved and feeling appreciated. It's just like especially in times like these, right? 
Yeah, and according to um, another psychologist that um, studies imposter syndrome, uh, these patterns of uh, behavior are also found um, in these certain type of people. Um, I'm just going to list them out just in case if you're curious. <laughs> uh, so perfectionists, aka me, <laughs> um, who set extremely high expectation for themselves. And even if they meet most of their goals, they're going to feel like failures. Um, I, so I know a lot of people can relate to that. Um, people who are quote unquote experts and feel like they need to know every piece of information uh, before they start a project and constantly look for new certifications to improve their skills. Uh, they won't apply for a job if they don't meet all the criteria in the posting and might be hesitant to ask a question or speak up in a meeting because they're afraid to look stupid. <laughs> that is totally me. Yep. Yep. Times I've had like decent questions and then someone else says, I'm just like, dang it, that was my idea. What did I speak up? Yeah. And it's always like, oh my God, what if I'm like, what if that's a stupid question? Like, oh, but I'm like, who cares? Like, even if it's a stupid question, it's still an important question. Exactly. Like it's, it might be like, there's probably other people who are, have that exact same question. If it's the smartest question or the not so smartest question, you know? Yes. And so this next person is not something I relate to, but it's um, the natural genius. And so when this person has to struggle or work hard to accomplish something, um, they think that they aren't good enough because they you are used to their skills coming easy, easily. Mm-hmm. So I personally can't relate to that. I know some yeah. people can. I'm in the same boat as you, Angela. I cannot relate to that. But yeah, so if you... And their brain tells them that they're an imposter, but you are not just because you need to work for something doesn't mean that you aren't good enough. And then it also relates to like the whole mindset thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. with the not yet, like just because something may be challenging does not mean that that thing is, or me as a person is incapable or Mm -hmm. am incapable. I, I can't English. (laughs) like I am incapable of doing that thing just means that it may be a little bit hardy despite other things being easy and that's by the way it's not me just to clarify (laughs) yeah um and then so there's the soloists who feel like they have to accomplish tasks on their own and if they need to ask for help that means they're a failure or a fraud I said I feel added because I do things like on my own Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and I think yeah I don't know if I technically feel like a failure when I ask people for help but I always feel like I'm a nuisance yes that's exactly like a burden and like just like a pest you know I feel like a pest when I'm like asking some things for people it's just like shouldn't you already know this is what I'm thinking that they're thinking Mm -hmm. when I'm asking for help yeah like it deters me from like asking questions or like speaking up or whatever because that's why like I need to feel and then it further reinforces the need or the thought that I need to do this on my own which sometimes puts me in like a bad situation you know yeah it's definitely asking questions again don't be afraid to ask questions or help honestly I a lot of people don't if we ask for help they're not going to get annoyed like I'll tell you, 99% of the time, if they care about you, if they're going to help you uh, willingly <laughs> and enthusiastically. Um, 
because, you know, obviously they care about you. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, and lastly, the uh, super men or women or people um, that push themselves to work harder than those around them to prove that they're not imposters. They feel the need to succeed in all aspects of life, at work, as parents, as partners, and may feel stressed when they're not accomplishing something. Mm, yeah, that's where all the workaholics were like listening to this chat. And, yeah, you know, sometimes I'm like, I got to be the first one in the last one out, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's honestly so bad because I know a lot of students feel this like even when I'm like, I'm not even like taking a break. I'm literally taking a shower, but I feel guilty because the time I'm spending taking a shower, I could be studying. I could be writing my paper. I could be doing whatever I want. Or even when I like wash dishes or cook a meal, like necessary things for myself, I feel guilty because I'm like, I could be doing work. But it's like, again, such a toxic mindset. Um, Like, those things you shouldn't even be considering a break those are necessities those are necessities to take care of yourself and then on top of that you should be giving yourself breaks because working yourself um too hard is just gonna bring you out mm-hmm. and that's-, that's like a very important thing like you just said it's gonna like it's gonna burn you out like being a workaholic like in all aspects you can't give or maybe you can but it's very hard to give a hundred percent of yourself all yeah. the time to everything that you're involved in, especially at this time of year. Right now, it's April, the last month of the academic year. So we're like feeling the pressure of the whole semester because it's exam season um, in a little bit. So like, I guess if there's one thing that you t- take away from this whole podcast is that find a way to take a break, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And if things are not working out, consider changing your mindset, I guess. And here's some things that I do that kind of, mm, like, they help. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I'm guilty of overworking myself and burning myself out. But here's some things that I try to incorporate into my life to help with burnout. Um, Like I said, time every night where I just stop. Even if I don't get everything I wanted to do that day done, if it hits this certain time, I don't know whether I sit at 8 p.m. or 7 p.m. or something like that. I just stop. And that is so important because I have times where I would just work until like 1 a.m. and can complete the cycle over and over again. And that's just one, my work wasn't as good quality. My mental health was going down the drain. Um, like, and it's just a constant cycle of burning yourself out. So um, that's kind of something I do in order to help with my burnout yeah I know like you said that like working until the wee hours of the night and then like waking up in the next morning and then like putting that cycle on repeat I know that's been something that I just like I just got off like a two-week stretch of doing that exact same thing and I can testify that it was not fun I still felt like I had to do it and so I did it my work definitely trash compared to (laughs) I'd be doing if I was like well rested well like in a good place mentally and physically so like I know that like even with exams we sometimes feel that like oh we just need to burn that midnight oil and burn that midnight candle and just study up until the late hours of the night but um, research shows that sleeping is the best way to consolidate all that information Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, with that, I think, yeah, takeaways from this podcast and I guess all of our other podcasts is be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, it's okay to be selfish and it's okay to put yourself first and to take care of your mental health, physical health, emotional health. Um, and we hope that you learned something from one of our episodes or uh, even listening to a bit of our podcast and um, hope that we helped you in some way, shape or form. So thank you again for listening. Any last words, Timmy? Yeah, I would just like to say thank you again for listening and just to say that we aren't professionals. We're just mm-hmm. students just like you who have researched a number of topics and just wanted to bring some attention to them. So take um, the advice that we've got, that you've heard throughout the whole previous episodes and even in this episode, take it all with a grain of salt. Um, like we said, Angela said that she watched some TikToks of like the positive affirmations and was like skeptical about it. And then she tried mm-hmm. it out and it worked. Mm-hmm. So feel free to do the same thing with any of the advices that you've heard from this episode or from previous episodes. Um, and yeah, and I guess the last couple of words is to be a good human to yourself and be a good human to others and be a good human to the environment. Thank you. And we will miss you all. Uh, thank you for listening to Elephant in the Room.